An example of a red flag would be, say, filing a loss on your Schedule C business for three years in a row. If you're filing a loss on your business year after year, the IRS does not like that. And they will insist that what you have is merely a hobby and not a business. Welcome to What Your CPA Wants You to Know, a podcast for business owners and those planning to make the jump into entrepreneurship. If you're thinking, I've got a great business idea, but what's next? This podcast is for you. I'm Carson Sands. And I'm Taryn Sands. And together, we started our CPA firm. We've grown exponentially over the past six years. I'm a CPA with over 10 years of experience helping people start and grow their businesses. And I'm an MBA with a specialization in marketing and entrepreneurship. Follow along as we share the ins and outs of running a business while keeping your family and sanity intact. And how to save tax dollars without breaking any IRS rules or triggering a painful audit. We're here to share everything your CPA wants you to know in a fun and easy to understand way. Let's get started. Let's do it. Today we have a very important episode all about tax time. Bum, bum, bum. Yep, you know what that means. It's the most terrible time of the year. With the IRS calling and everyone telling you not to extend, it's the most terrible time. There'll be number crunching and moods will be lowering when April 15th is near. (laughs) So Carson gets really weird during tax time. At a certain point, I just stop talking to you altogether because you're at your computer so much that only numbers start coming out. But I really do think this song is pretty catchy. Oh, thank you. Yes, I have been paid dozens of dollars by my fan to perform music before. (laughs) We are here to help you through all things taxes, and we do offer a pretty unique perspective because we are accountants and business owners. So we do plan to share our experience running the business in this podcast as well. And one thing that we understand as business owners is taxes totally suck. Taxes do suck. We hate paying them as much as anybody, probably more. But that's our job. We're here to make sure that you pay as little as possible without going to jail. Right. That's what this episode is all about. We're going to talk you through everything your CPA wants you to know about tax season. This is a great episode for business owners and individuals, so everyone will find something helpful in this episode, I think. Yes, that's what we're here to do. We're going to give you all the secrets about tax time and what your CPA truly wants you to know about doing your taxes. Right. First and foremost, CPAs don't want your receipts. Don't bring me a box of receipts, please. <laughs> so it's just it's just messy. Don't do it. Okay, so... You don't need receipts, but why? So we're not the IRS. We're not here to audit you. We just need to know what your expense totals are for the year. You don't have to bring us a whole box of receipts to prove that. You can add those up yourself. Now, we're happy to do it for you if you want to bring it to us and and pay us to do that. But here's the thing. 
adding up all the totals from your receipts, that's not very complicated and it's very time consuming. So that's not a great use of your funds. So most CPAs, and we do the same thing at our firm, they charge in time. So the more complicated a tax return is and the more time it takes, the more expensive it is. So if you're trying to save money on your tax preparation fees, add everything up yourselves and just save the receipts for in case you are to be audited. Your CPA doesn't need those receipts. That's actually a good motto. Save receipts, save money. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk a minute about getting audited because that word comes up a lot in tax season. An audit is certainly not anything we would wish on anyone, but it does happen. Sometimes it's a random selection of who gets audited, but a tax return can also be audited if the computer that reviews the return spots a red flag. An example of a red flag would be, say, filing a loss on your Schedule C business for three years in a row. If you're filing a loss on your business year after year, the IRS does not like that. And they will insist that what you have is merely a hobby and not a business. So what's another red flag, Carson, that you see on tax returns? Yeah, another red flag would be something like having more cost of goods sold than you have revenue. Now let's break that down a little bit. Revenue is just your total income before any expenses are deducted. And your cost of goods sold is just what you pay for the items that you sell. So if you're a grocery store, it's what you pay for the food before you sell it to customers. Now, if you have a net loss your first year with all of your expenses taken into account, the IRS understands that. New businesses don't make money their first year a lot. But if your gross profit is negative, which would be your income minus your cost of goods sold, that's a huge red flag. That's like saying if you build cabinets, you spent more on wood than you even charge customers. And that's before all your other expenses are taken into account. So anything like that is going to be a huge trigger. And the reason we're bringing this up is because many business owners like to be very aggressive on their tax return. And so do we. So we get that. Some of our clients like to be very conservative and some of them like to be more aggressive. And we are totally cool with that. What we're not cool with is filing a tax return that we know has a red flag that could very likely trigger an audit. Audits are very expensive and time-consuming, and we certainly don't want to add that stress for any of our clients. So it's important to know that your CPA wants you to save as much money as possible, I assure you. But there are very many situations where there just isn't much to be done, and the tax due is the tax due. And the last thing that we want to do on top of a large tax bill is to trigger an IRS audit. Yeah, that's right. I can't think of anything more stressful for someone to deal with than an IRS audit. And we want to save you all the taxes that we can, but we also don't want you to get in trouble. Exactly. So I polled our Instagram followers and gathered all the common tax questions for this episode. We wanted to know your burning questions and help clear all those up. So the first one that kept coming up was, Does everyone need a CPA or tax professional to do their tax return? Or is it okay to do it yourself? That's a great question. And no, you don't need to use a CPA. Not everyone does. 
If you have a simple W-2 type income situation, then you don't really need a CPA. There's not a lot that they can do to reduce your taxes at that point. So when you're trying to look for a CPA, it's when you have other sources of income coming in, like you started a business, or maybe you have some oil and gas royalties, or you have a lot of dividends and interest and capital gains from investments, or maybe you have a rental property. All of those would be situations where an individual would need to use a CPA. And of course, if you have a business, business tax return filings, trust returns, estate, gift, inheritance taxes, any of those things are complicated enough that you're going to save a lot more in taxes and hassle than you're paying your CPA. So in those cases, it's well worth it. But when you have just a simple W-2 return, you can handle it yourself and it would not be worth the money to pay a CPA to do it. Okay, so if you have a W-2 and just normal deductions, like your home interest, student loan, things like that, it's completely fine to do your tax return yourself and you're not gonna be messing anything up. It's very straightforward. I think when people get confused by this is that in the past, if you had a W-2 income, you could have what was called an unreimbursed employee expense, and that could help you bring down your taxes a bit. So in that case, you would use a CPA, but that all changed. And now if you have W-2 income, there's not really anything that you can do. You cannot deduct any of your working expenses like you can when you're a business owner. So that's why if it's pretty simple, you should just do it yourself. Another question we get a lot is about due dates. So Taryn, tell us, what are the tax due dates for businesses and are they the same as individuals? If you have a business that is filed on your individual tax return, so that would be a sole proprietorship, that tax return and all of your business information is due April 15th. However, if you have a business that is a partnership or an S-corp, then they actually have a different due date. And that due date is March 15th. So they have to file everything one month earlier. Now, why is that? So if you've ever heard of something called a K-1, that K-1 is created when a CPA does a business tax return. So say they do the partnership tax return, that K-1 shows what each owner made and that's given to them so that they can file their individual tax return. So they have to have that K-1 to file their return. So that's why they give you a whole month to have after the March 15th deadline. So all businesses that file on the March 15th deadline, you have a whole month to file your personal return. So that's really the reason why they have two different due dates. Now that can be shocking if you switch to an S Corp and you never knew, you always think, oh, April 15th is the due date. Just keep in mind that if you're an S Corp or a partnership, that everything is due by March 15th. And speaking of that K-1, that is important because the business that you file a tax return for is not normally going to pay income taxes unless they're a C-Corp, but most people are going to have an S-Corp or a partnership, and neither one of those types of entities pays income tax at all. It all flows through to the personal tax return. Right. So sometimes if someone's a new business owner and they get their business tax return, They are surprised to find that they owe nothing when we file the business tax return. They're happily surprised, but then when we file the personal tax return, they're very unhappily surprised 
that now they owe a lot more money because all of that income flowed through to their personal tax return. So don't be surprised if you file an 1120 or a 1065 that you're not going to owe anything until you actually get around to filing your personal income tax. Okay, one question that we've been asked many, many times, is it better to get a refund or pay money when you file your tax return? The answer here is that it really depends. Professionally speaking, we would say it's best to be as close to zero as possible when you file. So maybe get back $100 or owe $100 just being really close. You don't want to owe a lot and you don't want a giant refund. Yeah, I mean, we would love it if everyone was budgeting perfectly and running their personal finances perfectly. In that case, then ideally you would not get a refund because you would be doing the exact right thing with your money all throughout the year and you're better off to have a little bit more in your paycheck and not get a big refund. But there's so many people that don't fit into that category. So if you overwithhold a little bit just to be on the safe side and then you get a, a little bit more refund than is necessary, that's certainly better than it going the other way and you being the kind of person that has spent all of your money and you end up owing a little bit because your calculations were off and you don't have the money to pay it. Right. So if you're getting a refund, it's because all year long you paid in more than you actually owed and they're just giving it back to you. Some people like to do that and some people want to lower that and have more money during the year. And speaking of, that's another good point. It's called a refund. It's not called a return. The return is the form you file to report your income to the IRS. So please right. don't ask how much your tax return is going to be, unless you're asking how much we're going to charge you to prepare your tax return. But if you're asking what your tax return is going to be, but you really mean refund, then you're going to make us cringe. <laughs> right. Now, I did look that up because it is very confusing. It's called tax return. So people think that that's when they get their return of money. But I actually looked up the reasoning behind that, and return actually means report also. So it can be report. So I guess when they decided, hey, let's name it tax return, they were just saying this is a tax report showing your income for the year so that you could see how much you need to pay. Okay, so the next question comes up every single tax season. And I think it's because the tax code is complicated and it gets more complicated every year. The question we get is, why do I owe this year when I received a refund last year and I didn't change anything on my W-4 as far as withholding goes? So we do get this question a lot. And first and foremost, it's very important for you to understand that you are taxed on your total household income. And the W-4 form only takes into account half of the equation if you're married. So the W-4 does not know what tax bracket your household income falls into. It doesn't know a lot of things. So the W-4 just doesn't know what it doesn't know. Now, other things that can make a huge difference during the year, let's say if you get an unexpected bonus, that's going to change too, and you probably didn't have any withholding on that bonus. Or if you take money out of retirement, or maybe you get a raise, or both you and your spouse get a little bit of a raise, you might move up to a new tax bracket. So that could also change things. And really now we're seeing a lot more people freelancing and doing some work on the side. 
And then at the end of the year, they're going to get that 1099 NEC and no taxes are being taken out of that. As we've mentioned earlier, when you get a 1099 NEC, then you're paying both regular income tax on that and you're also paying self-employment taxes. So there's actually a lot of things that contribute to that final number and you really need to keep in mind all of those because it can change quickly from year to year. Definitely. Yeah, we we see the 1099, that's one of the biggest ones. If it's your first year to be a freelance or a contract labor instead of an employee, the just the shock, the sticker shock on how much tax you have to pay between income tax and self-employment tax. Now, you've been paying that tax all along through your paycheck, but somebody was taking a little piece out of it every time they paid you and you didn't feel it, but you've been paying it. And Taryn mentioned the retirement. I see this one all the time. The company that you use to manage your retirement, they usually have to withhold 20% when they give you that money. Well, that's usually not enough. So people are like, well, they already withheld taxes. Yeah, but they still didn't withhold enough. They just withheld the standard 20%. And so you're still going to owe more money on top of that. So just be on the lookout for that. So this next question is something that we get asked every single tax season. It's probably the most common question we get. What all items do I need to give my CPA in order to file my tax return? So for a business, that would be your books. Your books are just where you're keeping track of your income and expenses. And we talked about the details of that in a previous episode, but that could mean your QuickBooks file or access to your online QuickBooks. It could be any other tax or accounting software that you're using. It could also be your spreadsheet that you use to track everything or just a legal pad if you're super old school about that. So you're going to need what your total income was, and then you're going to need to total up all of your expenses in categories. So you would need to tell your CPA, I spent $500 in advertising. I spent $200 in supplies, etc. For the whole year, exactly. The more you can summarize that, the less time it will take your CPA to prepare your tax return and the less expensive your tax return will be. And you do not need to provide the receipts for all of those expenses. You would want to provide a bill of sale for something like a fixed asset, like we talked about earlier. So a large purchase, you definitely want to give documentation on that. But all of those little supply runs or Amazon purchases, your CPA does not need to have a record of those. Exactly. And of course, one other item is uh, the detail of any loans that you have that are for the business. The detail of which part of the payments were for principal and which part were from interest. And you'll probably need to get that information from your December statement on that loan account. So what's not going to be on your books that you also want to make sure to provide your CPA with would be mileage. Any miles that you put on your personal vehicle when you are using it for business, you are also able to deduct that expense on your tax return. So you need to give your CPA a total of miles driven. And along that same train of thought is your home office deduction. If you don't have an office outside of your house and you do all your work inside the house, then you'll need to provide your CPA with the square footage of your office and of your entire house in order for them to calculate the home office deduction. You would also give them a list of assets that you purchased during the year and let them know if there are any assets that you sold. Now we do have a checklist 
for businesses on what needs to be provided. And Taryn's going to make sure that those are in the show notes. Yes, I will run through a few of the things for individuals as well. But please check out the checklist because those are super handy. So for individuals, you want to make sure that you have W-2s for all filers, all 1099s. Now that might be a 1099 NEC. It might be for social security, bank interest, every single 1099 that you get, any K-1s that you received, your HSA statements, mortgage interest, real estate taxes paid. You want to make sure you give the piece of paper that your daycare gives to you showing how much you paid that year. Any charitable contributions from your church, retirement contributions, closing statements if you bought or sold a home during the year. And teachers can also deduct $250 for expenses, so definitely let them know if you're a teacher. And people always ask about medical expenses, and we've been seeing the last few years that most of the time, the medical expenses that people have aren't enough to actually deduct them from their tax return. Yeah, you either have to be really, really sick or make almost no money or usually both in order to get any benefit from your medical expenses. So we will put this checklist in the show notes so that you can go look at that. But we did want to run through those pretty quickly. Okay, last but not least is this question about filing an extension. So Carson, explain what happens, let's say, if you run out of time or life gets in the way and you need to file an extension. Nothing. (laughs) So yeah, just calm down. People get so panicky about this if they've never filed an extension before. It's okay. They're not going to haul you off to jail or anything like that. You just let your CPA know that you don't have everything together and that you need an extension and they can take care of that for you. Or if you're filing your own return, you can do it yourself really easily. Just Google the extension form. There won't be any punishment or anything like that. So to file an extension, you file an actual form. It's very short and easy. That just lets the IRS know that you're not ready to file and you need some more time. So if you do file that extension, what's the extended due dates? If you file the extension, when do you need to file? You get an extra six months. So for the businesses, that pushes the deadline to September 15th. And for individuals, that pushes the deadline to October 15th. And we always get the follow-up question when it rolls around to those due dates. Can you file another extension for me? And are there any other extensions? No. The next extension doesn't exist. And the next extension is just not filing on time. And you file late. And once you file late, then the monthly penalty is 5% of what you owe. There are penalties assessed after that extended due date. So you want to make sure that you file by the extended due date. That's right. And there's even penalties and interest after the first deadline, but they're a lot smaller than the penalty for not filing. So if you don't file an extension, the penalty is 5% per month. But as long as you file an extension, even if you don't pay anything in, then the penalty is only three quarters of 1% per month. You can, you can do that or you can pay when you file your extension. So what is surprising to most people is that if you file an extension, really that's only extending the time that you get to file your tax return. 
the IRS still wants you to pay the taxes that you are owed on April 15th. So generally, if people know, yeah, I usually owe 3000 every year, but I just haven't got around to doing my tax return, they'll usually send in $3,000 before the April 15th deadline, and then they'll go ahead and file their tax return later. Now, if you have a refund, then really nothing happens. You just get your money back later. But that is a neat trick there where you don't have your tax return ready to file. So they're like, well, but pay in the amount you owe. Well, I don't know how much I owe because my tax return's not done. Well, too bad. Yeah, that that always shocks people because they think that that really extends the time to pay. And the IRS says, no, it's not. We still want the money. And if you don't send the money, even without the tax return, then you're going to be penalized. Just know from this that the penalty is much less if you go ahead and let them know that you're extending. And it's not impossible to calculate pretty closely to the amount that you're going to owe. So you can at least pay in something if you have the money to pay it to reduce or eliminate any penalties that you might have. Exactly. I think that most people just want to file as quickly as possible. And something that we run into here at our CPA firm is that some years we get a lot of people coming in quickly, and then some years we get people coming in all at once. So just keep in mind that all of the country is trying to file a tax return. So if you really, really want to file by the due date, you need to make sure that you get those documents to your CPA timely. For sure. Okay, well, that's all we have for today. I think this episode will be so helpful for our listeners and help everyone approach tax time feeling more confident and more knowledgeable about what they need to do. Yeah, that's what we're here for. If you understand what's going on, there's a lot greater chance that you can reduce the taxes you owe and keep yourself out of trouble. Exactly. And everyone can look forward to death and taxes. (laughs) Yep, (laughs) that's about it. Make sure to leave us a review if you found this episode helpful. And if you did not find it helpful, please do not leave us a review. (laughs) I'm just kidding. We all know that's how podcasts survive. So please support us by leaving a review if you have a minute. Until next time, thank you for listening to What What Your Your CPA CPA Wants You to Know know podcast. (laughs) (laughs) This podcast is intended to provide accounting and tax information for educational purposes only. All tax situations are unique and should be handled with the assistance of a tax professional. 